Welcome to the Finances Podcast, a podcast dedicated to real life practical advice on how to improve your relationship with money. I'm your host, Dr. Darla Bishop, your big sis who's going to guide you through this process. This is a special mini series introducing you to the topic covered in my next book, How to Afford Everything. The book comes out on December 12th, 2023, so make sure you mark your calendars. Part five of the How to Afford Everything series with Finance Sis. If you're joining for the first time, please go back and listen to the previous episode so you can get all caught up and get to know me a little better. In this episode, we embark on the journey of adulting. And we're going to talk about some of the secrets to navigating the complex world of grown-up finances. I'll share some expert insights and answer the most common money management questions that come my way. I have some extremely helpful worksheets that will help you with this aspect of adulting in my upcoming book, How to Afford Everything. Visit DarlaBishop.com to pre-order your copy today. Okay, first up, living expenses is usually the highest percentage of your budget, unless you're one of the lucky people, like the one I'm married to, who has doctor debt but is not a doctor in student loans. I digress. The number one question that I get when people are talking about how to adjust their budget is, what can I do about my housing expenses? Because again, it's usually the biggest chunk of the pie. The question is, should I be renting or should I be buying? And you'll hear people say all the time, If you're renting, you're throwing away money. I don't always think that's the case. So I'd like to walk you through a little bit of a decision guide to help you figure out whether now is the right time to be renting with roommates, without roommates, or transitioning to being a home buyer. Let's get into it. Deciding whether or not to buy a house has lots of steps in it. The good news is they're not hard steps. It's just they're kind of a lot. The first one, if you've listened to any of the episodes in the series, you know I'm going to tell you is to know what your budget is. Because if you don't know how much money is coming in and how much is going out, any conversations we're having about your money are almost pointless and won't really take us far. So if you don't already have a good understanding of what's coming in and what's going out in your day-to-day and month-to-month expenses, then go back to episode one and do the homework And then come back to this episode as we talk about whether it's good to be renting versus buying. So let's talk about renting. There are some real benefits to renting a home or an apartment. When you rent a home or an apartment, you usually are not responsible for repairs or maintenance to that home or apartment. So if you are in a position where you are trying to change your financial life, get your finances to a more stable place, Renting is something that can be very helpful because you know that you're pretty much responsible for the rent, maybe some utilities, but any of the big expenses that come along with owning a home are not your responsibility, that those really go to your property management company or your landlord. So if you're thinking about whether or not it makes sense to buy or lease your house, be honest with yourself about whether you need your financial situation when it comes to your living costs to be stable for the next two years or if it's okay if they're variable a little bit. Now, don't get me wrong. I am a huge proponent of owning houses. I actually own several. Okay, anyway, in owning a home, if you're thinking about buying a home, especially for the first time, make sure that you get some education. There are dozens of programs in every city and every county that will help you understand the home buying process. And by sitting through those classes, you might actually get access to grant money, down payment assistance, or lower cost loans. 
buying a home is a really big investment. And this is one of the places where you have to use debt because unless you have parents or relatives with deep pockets or somehow are independently wealthy, you probably will purchase your first home using a mortgage. Mortgages come in several different types, but the mortgage type that is the most popular is a fixed rate 30-year mortgage. And what that means is that you have an interest rate that you set when you purchase the home and that that interest rate will not change for the 30 years that you'll use to pay off the loan. So you heard me say 30 years. 30 years is a long time to have any obligation. Marriages don't last that long. Companies don't last that long. And so if you're unsure about where you're going to be moving to, if your family situation is going to change in the next two to five years, this might be a good sign to say, I'm not going to buy a home now, but instead I'm going to look at what the housing market is like and make sure that I'm taking advantage of free homeowner education and saving towards that goal. Because when you have a bigger down payment, you can get much better interest rates and you might even be able to get more house for your money when you have a little bit more cash in the bank. The other great part about being a homeowner, because there are good and bad parts to being a homeowner, is when you're a homeowner and you have a mortgage, the taxes that you pay, as well as the interest that you pay on that mortgage loan, help you with your annual income taxes that you file by April every year. And so let's say you have a property tax that's $4,000 and you also have mortgage interest that's about $6,000. That means that's $10,000 that you get to take off of your income taxes. That can be really helpful if you're someone who's single, at least in the legal sense, where you're not legally married to someone. So you don't get the deduction for being a person who files married filing jointly and you don't have children. And so it can be hard to come by deductions when you're a single unmarried person in terms of the legal definition. So being a homeowner is something that can help with your overall tax liability. But there's also some not so great things that come with owning a home. If something big breaks, you're in charge of fixing it. If something major happens, like a big storm, the area I had live in had a huge storm just a few weeks ago, and there were hundreds of large, old, heavy trees And there are a lot of homeowners that now have to get new doors and new garage doors and new fences. And depending on their insurance setup, they might be coming out of pocket hundreds or even thousands of dollars. Well, if you are considering purchasing a home, there are a few ways to do this very smartly. One, most of the loan products that are available for first-time homebuyers actually allow you to buy a two, three, or four-unit property. So if you've had the chance to really think about and save for a down payment, you might even buy a bigger house, a two-family flat or a three-family flat, so that someone is both paying you rent and helping you with the mortgage every month. Maybe you don't have enough savings to buy an apartment building, but you might get a three-bedroom house instead of a two-bedroom house and get a roommate to help you pay your mortgage. The other thing you'll want to do is look at your savings account. Yes, you saved for a down payment. Awesome. I'm so proud of you. That is not always easy to do. But did you also save for three to six months of the new expenses? So maybe you're going from a roommate situation or a renting situation and your mortgage is actually going to be higher than what you were paying in rent. 
So did you make sure to adjust your savings account to have the three or six months put aside for your new housing payment? The other thing that you'll want to do is as you're furnishing your home, don't be afraid to ask friends, relatives, if they have good working furniture that you can use because you wouldn't believe how much rugs cost. That and trash cans. If you've moved recently, you know you were probably mad about how much the rugs and the trash cans cost. You don't want old trash germs in your new place, but why do they have to cost so much? It's for trash. Sorry, I I went on a rant there. But the whole point that I'm trying to make, I promise I'm going to find it, found it, is that if you're thinking of buying a home or even changing your apartment situation, to think about all the things that entail Did you save up some money for the moving truck? Are you paying people to move you? Or did you tell your friends you pay them in pizza and beer? If you're over 30, don't do that. Don't, don't do that. We do not want to help you move. Even if you can borrow my truck, but I'm not putting anything in there for you. Okay. So if you're, uh, let me say that one more time in case you missed it. If you are over 30, we are not helping you move. Small exceptions for situations like divorce or abuse. Yes, I will come get you. If you need to leave a bad situation, but otherwise be a grown up, save some money and hire some movers. Thank you. Okay. We're going to move on. So if you're thinking about buying versus renting, what you need to know is how much it costs you to live now, how much you are okay with spending in your new situation. And is your savings really strong enough to change your current situation? And if it's you're not, Make a plan so that your savings and your accounts are strong enough to shift whether you're owning or buying or moving to a situation where you're paying more for your living expenses. And for real, real talk, if your relatives, maybe your parents or the people who raised you are in a place where you can move back home, don't be scared to move back home. Some of my friends who are living their best lives live at home and they stack their money. If I could, I would. Maybe not. If you have kids, it's harder. Okay, next we're going to talk about whether you should lease or buy a car. Oh my gosh. So I have to tell you up front so that you just know what I'm coming from. Is when I was growing up, car problems really caused problems in our household. My mom worked the kind of job that if she had a car issue and couldn't get to work, that means she couldn't get paid, which meant it threw off our budget maybe for the week, but probably for the whole month. And so I have some trauma around car. So my answer is almost always get a new car because car repair bills like stress me out. Now that I've told you that and you know what my perspective is, I'll try to be slightly more neutral in answering the question on whether you should lease or buy a car. Now, leasing a car is where you basically are renting the car long-term for two or three years. You have a set amount of miles that you're allowed to use, but you also have minimal repair costs because the car is a new car and is still covered under warranty and may even include some of your initial oil changes for those first two or three years. And so leasing a car means that you'll have a set monthly payment for that car depending on your credit, what kind of car it is, and what time of year, and how motivated the dealership that you're leasing the car from is to move the car, you might have no down payment, one month payment worth the down payment, or a slightly higher amount. But the benefits to having a lease is that you know you have a new car that probably won't have any major repair costs in the two or three years that it's with you, and you have a fixed monthly amount. 
the downside of having a lease is because it is a new car and you're just renting it long term, you do have to have full coverage insurance on it. Now, in a state like Michigan, where we have some of the highest insurance rates in the country, that's not something to sneeze at. Your insurance for the used car that you're driving now might only be $70 or $100 a month. If you go to a new car, that could very easily change to $200 or $250 a month in order to get full coverage. So make sure that when you're doing the math about how much car you can afford, that you're taking into account the car insurance cost as well. The other downside of leasing is that you have some limitations on the miles you can drive. Most leases come with eight to 12,000 miles as part of the lease package. That means that you are allowed to drive without getting extra fees somewhere between eight and 12,000 miles a year. Now, if you're someone who works from home or all the things you drive to are close by and you don't use a lot of miles in your car, a lease is no problem for you. But if you're someone who uses delivery service as a side hustle, or you have relatives or friends or in a relationship that requires you to drive a couple hundred miles every month on top of your day-to-day miles, that leasing mileage might be a problem for you and buying a car might be a better fit. If you're thinking about buying a car and you've been looking recently, you might notice that used car prices are actually pretty high right now. And so a lease can also be a way to, again, keep your car expenses relatively low and stable for two or three years. Something like that can be very helpful if you're trying to just change your financial life overall and you need to be able to count with surety what your car expenses are going to be. Okay, my payment, my insurance, no repairs. But buying a car might be a better fit if you are someone who has to drive a lot for work or for your personal hobbies and pursuits. If you don't want to have a car payment for a long time. And so you can either buy the car cash or you know that within two or five years, the car will still be in good running condition, but you'll no longer have the car payment. Or if you need to keep your insurance costs low because you don't want to have to put full coverage and you live in a state like Michigan where the insurance is high. Buying a car also allows you a little bit more flexibility if you want to participate in some of the ways to use your car to earn money, like delivery service or even person-to-person rental services like Turo or Find a Car. What Sometimes your lease agreement doesn't allow you to participate in things like that because they know the car is going to return to them in two or three years and they don't want it to be too run down or overused in that two to three years so that the dealer can resell the car at the highest value. When you're thinking about leasing or buying, think about how much down payment you can come with. If you can come up with a higher down payment, something like 5% of the cost of the car, then buying a car might actually help you to negotiate to a better car loan. And if you're using a car loan to buy a car, make sure to check with the bank that you already bank with, especially if it's a credit union. The dealer will check your credit and allow you to look at several banks at the same time, but they might not include the credit union that you bank with, which might give you a better rate or an extra discount because you're already a customer with them. So you always have the option to bring your own financing to a car dealer if you are buying a car. You don't have that option if you're leasing a car. You do have to use the dealer-provided financing when it comes to a lease. But if you're buying, that might give you some additional options to make your car buying money go a little bit further. Ooh, okay. So you heard that I'm a doctor. 
I'm a public health doctor, so I can't actually help you with your cough or cold, but I can tell you the importance of washing your hands and taking vaccines. Okay. Why is that relevant? The other question I get, especially as someone who has a doctorate, is, is it time for me to go to school or to go back for more school? Should I go get a master's degree? Should I finish my bachelor's degree? Should I go for a doctorate? I'll tell you now, like, nobody needs a doctorate. I have one, so I can say that, but, like, you you probably don't need it. All right, now that I've said that, here's how you decide or can think about whether or not it's time to go to school or go back to school. When you're thinking about the jobs that you have access to, or the job that you're working right now, how easy or hard is for you to move to the next step? Would you be able to get a promotion if something opened up? Or will it be really difficult because you need to have a degree in order to get to the next level? That might be a driving factor that pushes you to more education. The other thing to consider about graduate school is if you're thinking about going back to school or going to school for the first time, is do you want to And can you afford to be a full-time student who maybe works part-time versus a part-time student that works full or nearly full-time? There's a really big difference in lifestyle of being a full-time student that works a little bit or a full-time worker that schools a little bit. So if you are a full-time worker that schools a little bit, it's probably going to take you a little bit longer to finish a degree or certificate program because you shouldn't probably be taking a full load of classes and working full-time and doing all the other stuff that we talked about in episodes one and two. And so that means that you have to think about whether or not you'll be eligible for financial aid, whether that comes in the forms of scholarships, grants, or loans, if you are a part-time student over a longer period of time. The other thing you need to think about is if you want to be a full-time worker and a part-time student, does the company you work for currently or the one you'll change to, because the answer is no, offer educational benefits? Do they offer a discount for certain universities or colleges? Do they offer reimbursement of tuition expenses or a book stipend? If you're not sure, make sure that you check the employee handbook or talk with HR about whether there are benefits you can take advantage of because that can take the cost of pursuing higher education down in a way that's significant. The other thing to consider is the lifestyle changes of being a student. If it's been a while since you've been a student or if your most recent educational experience has been in K-12 through education, meaning high school, college is a different animal. And so if you are now at the point where you are returning to school after working for a while, maybe you have family obligations because you're helping with children you have on your own, or it may be even nieces or nephews that you help with. Think about what the time commitment means and how you can make space for that. Are there things you need to clear off of your responsibility list? Do you need to move from a house that requires you to cut the grass every weekend, to call the repair person when something happened, to maybe moving temporarily to an apartment so that you have a slightly shorter list of things that have to be taken care of by you at home? If you are in a partnership or relationship or a marriage, you know, can you talk with your partner about what things need to be shifted so that you have enough time to finish your assignments and to meet deadlines related to school? If you are a person that's going to continue working when going back to school, is there space for you to get to a team that has a more stable work situation or that has something that's flexible so that if you do need to adjust your hours or your projects 
for a week or two to get through finals that your job would allow you to do that. So think about the long haul, how you're going to get through school if you're going to go back to school or go to school for the first time. The last time to think about is how are you going to fund your education? You know, you've heard me talk about student loans. Student loans are a big part of why I was able to pursue education. There's no way that my family was going to help me go to college. And I'm thankful for my student loans, but it also was a hard and long path to pay them back if you weren't responsible for taking them out. So if you are a person who's thinking about going to school or going back to school, invest some time in figuring out whether you can get scholarships, grants, or reimbursements for the education you're pursuing. Make sure you call the financial aid office. Okay, I have to tell you the story. When I was working on my doctorate, I did my doctorate debt-free. Now, I did it over eight years, but the reason I actually took such a long time to do my doctorate is because that allowed me to spread out the expense. There was one semester where I was supposed to be using my husband's GI Bill. I told you he's in the military, and as part of him being in the military, I could use his GI Bill for my education. But something was happening with the transfer, the paperwork, where it wasn't going to be available to me until the following semester. So I marched, I put on my cute little dress, and I stopped by the financial aid office and said, hi, I'm a graduate student. I have some funds that will be available to me next semester, but I don't have enough money to start this semester because there was a paperwork issue with my military benefits. Any chance there's some unused financial aid or scholarship money, I might be able to put my hand on. And do you know, this lady looked at me and said, actually, I'm glad you asked. One of the students in your cohort just took a job at the university. And so when you work at the university, you get a 90, at the time it was a 95% discount on tuition. So that told me two things. Why don't I work at the university where I could get a 95% discount on my tuition? look at the universities you're thinking about and see which ones offer a tuition benefit. And also, wait, y'all weren't going to tell me about this money? So when she told me, yes, so-and-so in your cohort just got hired by Professor so-and-so to be a research staff person, so you can have the scholarship money that we had associated with them. But we can only do it for one semester. I was like, thank you. I only need it one semester. That conversation was at eight thousand dollar conversation. They gave me eight thousand dollars just because I asked. Don't you know I did it again three semesters later? So just because I asked the financial aid office, is there any unused scholarship or tuition remission dollars that might be available this term? As you know, I am a self-paying student. I wasn't a fellowship student because I was going to use the military benefits. And they said, well, we'll check. Some semester was like, no, we don't have anything. Thanks for asking. Some semester was like, sure, here's $8,000. So I think in total, I got sixteen dollars or $17,000 just because I asked. So don't be afraid to ask the financial aid office, your professors, the dean of the school, if there's any unused money. Because also, if any of that money was grant funded, they have time limits about when they can use it or they might have to send it back. So you could be helping them out taking that money off their hands. So if you're thinking about school, just think about how is this going to change my life? Make a plan for it. How is this going to change my budget? Make a plan for it. How am I paying for it? And make a plan for it. Get creative and have fun. You can find more information at DarlaBishop.com. Don't forget the discount code Halloween50 to get a discount on your pre-order. 
go to DarlaBishop.com. Follow me, my underscore finances on all the socials.